0: Hey, Junior here, thanks for hitting play. Let's talk about your past. You know, that thing you can't shake, maybe it's shame, a lingering addiction, that memory. Oh, I know, you don't wanna talk about it, I get it. But I think you'll find this conversation life-giving. Let's go there together. So what do you do when you can't seem to get past your past? Like you've changed your life or maybe you're in the process of changing your life and you're not doing that thing anymore, you know, at least you don't want to do that thing anymore, but still that thing has kind of got you. Like shame from that thing or memories from that thing or lingering addictions from that thing, it still keeps on popping back. What do you do when you can't get past your past? See, that's no doubt a lot of us. And if we were really brutally honest with ourselves, the past is keeping us from the future. The past has stunted your growth with your relationships. The past is holding you back. The past is keeping you from fully embracing what God has for you today and what he has for you tomorrow. This is a big deal. We should talk about this. Exodus chapter 13 is where we find ourselves today. Exodus chapter 13. We've been going through this book of Exodus. One of the reasons I love the book of Exodus so much is theology just pours out of this book as God introduces himself to his people. And so we're following that wonderful, beautiful narrative. Exodus chapter 13. We're going to jump right in. Let me pray before we do. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. You are our dad. You've told us to call you dad, Abba. We thank you for that. We thank you that you want to have a personal relationship with us. We thank you that we can have that relationship with you only because of Jesus Christ, and God. I I pray that we eliminate all distractions right now. That you uh, that you speak to us. You will speak to us. I guess the question is, what, are we going to listen? I pray that we do during this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the lens of Scripture zooms in on Exodus chapter 13, we find ourselves just east of Egypt in an Egyptian city called Sukkot. It's now populated with many travelers who have temporarily set up camp in this little town. It's the Israelites on their way out of Egypt. The evening cooking fires send a smoky haze into the already hot, dry air. The smell of fresh bread and and fish... Draw in families into their tent as the wives and the moms stir the sweet yet hoppy soup that will wash down their bread with. Dinner table conversations are happening throughout the thousands of tents stretched outside and all around this small little city. Many, 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 many tents, but it's one conversation around the dinner table tonight. Where are we going and when do we leave? See, all these people in these tents, all they've ever known is to be told what to do. Their fathers, their grandfathers, generations before them have never known freedom. They've never been able to make these decisions on their own, yet there they eat as free people. It's, it's hard to grasp that. And it feels like the journey has just begun. We're free, but where are we going? How much longer until we get there, and where is there? What do we do when we get there? What does life look like when we get there? I mean, to feel free feels great, but the responsibility of it, it takes some getting used to. As families eat their last meals in Egypt, Moses, alongside a few of the elders of the nation, walks throughout an Egyptian burial site. They find a grave marked Joseph. Joseph is the one who brought the, the Hebrew family to Egypt in the first place. His last request was to, for his bones to be taken out of Egypt when his family leaves. And so there's Moses collecting the bones into a jar, and they quickly walk out. See, one concern that hangs over all of the Hebrew heads is, when will Pharaoh change his mind? At any minute, the might of Egypt's army can surround the camp and enslave the people once again. If they're going to leave, it's got to happen quickly. Chapter 13, verse 17 says this, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return back to Egypt. Here's what's going on. The quickest route to where they're going, the quickest route to the promised land, is along the Mediterranean Rim right here. They're camping out in Sukkot. The best route to go is through this area right here. Problem is, a strong army occupies this area. And God knows he can defeat these people, but his people have never seen the hell of war. They they can handle tools, but they can't handle weapons. They've never handled weapons before. The Egyptians have always kept them from weapons. So if God is going to take this untrained nation into a war zone, the people are going to freak out right here. And so God takes them south into the wilderness a longer route but not much longer at least at this point it should take only a couple of weeks to get to the promised land that ends up taking 40 years but around the dinner table tonight it's all speculation as families peek out of the tents for some fresh air after dinner And word is spreading around the tents, hey, we leave tomorrow, we're leaving tomorrow, we leave tomorrow, where where, where are we going? I don't know, Moses didn't say, he just said get a good night's rest because tomorrow we leave, tomorrow we pack up. Early the next morning, the desert day breaks. Wives pack the little items that they have in their tents and and the husbands tear down the tents and and bundle them up. And as the last few items are being packed away and stowed away, all of a sudden, groups of people stop what they're doing. Their gaze turns upward. They squint, putting their hands over their forehead to try to get a good look. Something's happening in the sky. Whatever it is, it doesn't seem natural. It's like, it's like smoke that's, that's building. It's like really low yet dark. It's like a tall, dark cloud. It's curious. It's hard to look away from this, even while packing their items. And then you hear a shout from the camp. Follow the cloud, follow the cloud. An entire nation of people begin to move toward the smoke. The Lord went out before them by a day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. Think about what's happening here. They are following a cloud. No doubt this is a joke to the Egyptians who are watching. You're gonna follow that cloud out into the wilderness. You're gonna go follow a cloud to go die. Oh, it gets even more bizarre. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Tell the people of Israel to turn back." Whoa whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, hold on, hold on. You want us to turn back? First, you ask us to follow a cloud as as the nation of Egypt laughs at us as we follow a cloud out into the wilderness. Now you want us to turn back toward Egypt and return? Can you imagine what Egypt is going to say? Yeah, it's part of the plan. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will, give glo- I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And so they did so. They turned back. You see what God is doing here? He's baiting Pharaoh to chase them. Pharaoh is already keeping an eye on his former slaves. Going after to to defeat them, once again, has gone through his mind. This would be very easy to go defeat them. And God is saying here, saying, bring it on. Bring it on. I dare you. Let's just end this right now instead of you coming out after us later on. Why don't we just end this right now? That's what's really happening. But to the Israelites, they have no idea. All they know is they want to get out of Egypt and as far away from Egypt as they can. But they're following a cloud, and now they're returning back to Egypt to be laughed at. God's leading and commands make no sense. And so it goes with us. See, if you follow Jesus, you've felt this in your life before. You're probably feeling this right now. God is asking you to do something that is like a joke to everybody else around you. When you actually follow God, your life will look confusing to the outside world. The rest of the world's going to be looking at you going, what do you mean you're going to stop doing that? What do you mean you're going to put off sex until until you're married? Why? It's crazy. What what do you mean you're going to give that much away? That's stupid. What what do you mean you're going to stop going there? What what do you mean you're going to stop talking like that? You're telling me that every weekend you're going to go to church. You, you're going to go into church and you're going to serve. Why? It's confusing. We see it here. And God says, I'm going to lead you in a way that confuses Pharaoh, but I'm going to do something. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do yet. Just follow me. Sure, you'll look like an idiot to them, but I'm doing something. I'm bringing you somewhere. Somewhere. The Israelite people are just getting to know this God of theirs, and the theology is pouring out of this book. Observation number one, this is really important. Number one, your new life will make no sense to the old. Your new life will make no sense to the old. See, this is what I love about our our church. We're not a bunch of people trying to, you know, get religious on the weekends, you know, get our church credit in and then go back to our week and live a godless life. Oh, there, there might be some of that in our church for sure. Yeah, of course. But I look across our campuses each weekend. So much is represented on each of our campuses. So many people in our church used to run with the wrong crowds. So many who were living selfish, miserable lives, and they decided to leave all of that. They decided to leave their Egypt. God freed them like Moses freed Israel, and now their life, how they walk, it makes no sense to the old. It's a joke. Instead of of pursuing their desires, they're pursuing holiness, and that looks far different than their old life. See, if this isn't true, In your life, it should cause you to wonder, am I really going where God is leading me? Am I really in the family of God? Am I really in the right nation right now? Because what God asks us to do, it makes no sense to the outside world. I think of people in our church like uh, uh, Christian. Uh, He's uh, just graduated high school. He's interning at the bridge this summer in Bridge Kids. You'll hear his story at some point. It's got an amazing story. Christian grew up Buddhist came to the bridge. He met Jesus. Now, last week, I was talking to him. His family wanted to honor a family member who had passed away, and the way they would do that is they would go to the temple, and they would honor um, their, their family member in the temple. And this Christian told me, he said, this would always include bowing down to a golden statue. And on his own, he felt convicted. That was the Holy Spirit in him convicting him. Felt like he just, he couldn't bow down to this golden statue. He hadn't told his family yet that he follows Jesus. He's dreading telling them this news. He's worried that they're going to freak out. He sat his family down, and with his heart racing, in Vietnamese, he said, "I will go honor Grandma at the temple, but I will not bow down to the idol. I follow Jesus. I only bow to Him now." Well, that makes no sense. This is how you grew up. You bow down ever since you were a little boy. What's the harm? It's confusing to the family. It's a letdown. It's just frustration. It's the new life not making sense to the old. It never does. I think of two of my buddies started following Jesus. Single guys, they were dating girls who, who were pr- pressuring them for sex. As a guy, come on, that is just hard to turn that down. But they both did. They said, sorry, I, I want to save that for, for the marriage bed. And of course, some jokes went flying. Are you a guy? Do you not like women now? Like, what, what is wrong with you? This makes no sense. It's the new life not making sense to the old. It never does. And we see that playing out in this narrative right now in chapter 13. Israel follows a cloud out into the wilderness, comes back, goes back out. This is a joke. It makes no sense. Continue on, chapter 14, verse 5 now. This is when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. The mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we've done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. Woke up this morning to no slaves making my breakfast. Why did we let the slaves go? oh, uh, You remember the plagues? You remember what just happened? 600 chariots glimmer outside of the palace. Trained war horses are baking in the sun. Standing beside all of that are the nation's top trained officers, weapons in hand. Pharaoh confidently walks out of his palace inspects his pristine battalion. This crew right here would make even the most experienced army nervous, much less a nation of newly freed slaves who have never seen battle, don't even have weapons for battle. Some of the faces standing here by the chariots have instilled terror in these Hebrews as their slave masters. Pharaoh mounts his ornate chariot and the pursuit begins. The sound of 2,400 horseholds pummeling the dirt echo throughout Egypt's streets as Pharaoh can't help but smirk as he rides his chariot. The kids peek out their windows to see this parade. This is a show of strength. Pharaoh shall return with your slaves. Meanwhile, we go back out to the wilderness and find the, find the Israelites. He pursued the Israelites. Look at this who were marching out boldly, boldly. There was a spring in their step. We are free, we are out of here. Man, it feels good to be walking with God right now. My God just kicked Egypt's butt back there. I am free, I am alive. You ever feel that? That that spring in your step? Ah, this is where I'm supposed to be. I am good, I am in the right spot bring on tomorrow. Let's do this. Just walking boldly. And then you see your ex. You see him. You see her. You drive by that house that you went to that party at that, that one night where that thing happened. You pass by that bar where, where it all started. You were walking boldly. You were walking sprightly, ready to take on my wilderness. But then you saw that text. That person called, that website beckons you, that old craving in you for sex, money, power, and image, whatever, it begins to stir in you, and that spring in your step turns into a slower walk. You know what I'm talking about? It's going down here. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out, to the Lord. Not far in the distance behind them a dust cloud appears. It almost looks like a a small sandstorm. Sandstorms don't usually come from that direction though. It's kind of hard to make out what it is until you hear screams from the back from the people who have a, a better view. It's them. Oh God help us. Go faster. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. Pharaoh's on his way. Observation number two. Your past is going to pursue you. Your past is going to pursue you. Something modern day Christianity is soon forgetting is there is an enemy. And the enemy is strong. And the enemy wants you. He is not going to make it easy for you. Yes, God has freed you. But until you take your last dying breath, the enemy is coming hard after you. Why? Because you're all that? No, because... Your father loves you that much. See, an enemy that can't defeat the father will go for the next best thing, gonna go after the kids. He'll be relentless, and he'll use whatever he can from your past to use against you. He will use shame. He will use temptations. He will use past addictions. He will use old memories. It's all weapons in the hand of the enemy against you. In some way, your Egypt is pursuing you. It might look like temptation. You sure you want to leave this behind? You remember the sex? You really want to take off? And Friday nights are going to be far less fun. You sure you want to get out? It's more comfortable back here. So-and-so is going to miss you. It might look like temptation, or it might look like shaming. You don't deserve where you're headed. You don't deserve to be free. You don't deserve the life you're trying to live right now. Look behind you. Look at that relationship you had. Look what you did to her. No Christian's gonna wanna marry you. Look at the notches on your bedpost. Oh, you're in church? Cute, interesting, considering the people you ripped off in business. You just can't forget about all of that that you're leaving. There's no promised land for you. Maybe there's a promised land for other people. But look what you snorted, look what you've drank, look what you stole back here. God might have something out there, but not for you. Oh, it's too late for you, so you might as well come back. To be candid with you, I feel this. Before I get up to preach, there's often that little voice in my head that speaks up. What what are you doing? Can go preach? Remember the grades you got? Remember how you barely passed some of your theology classes? Remember how you skipped a whole year's worth of chapel and Bible college? Remember when you said this? And are you going to go preach with that mouth of yours? It's the past pulling. And that boldness that you had begins to slow. See, some of you, I don't know how you did it, but I'm glad you did. Some of you, you signed on to church with your past holding on to your ankle. You had a hard time worshiping because faces kept coming to mind, embarrassing memories. It was was hard to worship. It's like you came in here dragging your past on your ankle. This is Israel. Right here. And now it starts. The pattern. The pattern of egregious sin the Israelites have. It's why they won't make it into the promised land. We're going to unpack this pattern more next week but we see it playing out right here. Look at verse 11 of chapter 14. It says, They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here in the desert. The bold walk that they had before began to slow. Now it's at a screeching halt. And who are they blaming? They're blaming Moses. How many times in verses 11 and 12 that we just read, do the people look at Moses and say, and with, his, with their fingers and say, it was you. It was you, Moses. You brought us here. What have you done? We told you. Do you remember from week one, Moses didn't want to do this in the first place. He's leading on their behalf, and he stands in the front going, don't stop. Keep going to what God has for you. Keep going. if you're gonna stop and you're gonna throw your leader under the bus, the battle hasn't even started. Israel. See, already we've seen ten plagues. Israel. Israel, we, we've seen a pillar of smoke leading you during the day. Israel, we've seen a pillar of fire leading you at night. You idiots! You think this is how it ends. See, that's what the self-righteous theological part of me thinks. A bunch of freaking whiny babies right here. That's what the self-righteous part of me thinks. But the other part of me thinks, though, the the honest part of me reads this and goes, yeah, I totally get it. Totally get this. Totally get it. You ever wonder, and maybe this seems wrong to wonder in church, but we're a family and and God is okay with us being honest with ourselves, so I'm just going to say it. You You ever think... God better start living up to his end of the deal here. You ever been praying and mid-prayer you were tempted to just stop and call a time and say, okay, coach, this is not the game plan that we talked about here. I don't remember agreeing to any of this. You know, I kept myself pure. My friends were out doing who knows what, creating regrets. I stayed in. I was lonely. I was told, save it for marriage, save it for marriage. Well, here I am, no marriage. Saved it for What? This sucks. I didn't sign up for this. This is not the game plan that I was told. Or God, you know, I got married, and I committed. I'm going to do this God's way. I'm not going to quit like I did on my last marriage, but this right here is awful. I can't stand them. I'm stuck. This is not what I signed up for. Or God, you know, I, I took this job. I, I prayed so much to you before taking this job. I even sought counsel from other leaders. I felt like you were leading me to this job, and here I am, and it is miserable. It is miserable. Do you ever wonder why God isn't showing up more in your life? Are you going to do something here, God? Because I feel like you brought me here and left me. It's like that cute saying. a lot of times people pass around on Facebook. It is a, it is a true saying, but it's kind of one of those cutesy sayings that it says, "If God leads you to it, He'll lead you through it." It's true. But I think there's more than a few of us who look at this thinking, bullcrap, bull. You ever feel that? No, just me? Okay, well, Israel's feeling it. And it's at this point, come on, it's at this point, let's be real, it's at this point, it's really easy to use the excuse to just go back to where you came from. Slip back into my old me, screw it. You know, actually, maybe I won't go back to my old life, but I'm certainly gonna slow down in my walk with Jesus Christ here. Why keep taking these steps of faith? They're not paying off. I don't see any promised land in my future. It just looks like a dry wasteland in front of me. And, and, and my enemy is, fo- is tailing me. I can't be yanking this enemy throughout the wilderness to who knows where I'm going. So you know what, God? I'm good here. I will stay here. I'm slowing down. See, observation number three, often the temptation isn't to turn back but to stop. Often your temptation isn't to turn back and to go back to the old you. Your temptation is to stop. The Israelites stop in verse 15 if you have your Bibles in front of you. God tells Moses, tell the people to go forward. Tell the people to go forward. Keep going. Why? Because they had stopped. And I wonder if he's saying the same thing to you. See, this is such a hard observation and that we struggle to really be honest with ourselves when it comes to this. We rarely ever notice or would even admit to saying, I've, I've kind of stopped going for what God has for me. But many of us have stopped in our walk with Jesus Christ. Oh, we have our excuses. You know, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, at least I'm not who I was. At least I'm not sleeping around. I used to do that. You know, at least I'm not ripping people off. I used to do that. At least I'm not drinking that much. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Okay, great. But are you still going forward? See, if the enemy can't get you to turn back, they're just going to try to keep you in one spot. It's one of the greatest of temptations. That's why God says in verse 15, He says, Tell them to keep going forward. See, maybe God isn't showing up in your life more because He's waiting for you up here and you've stopped. It's quite possible God is saying, believe me, I am more than holding up my end of the deal. You just wait to see what I'm doing, but I'm doing it up here. you got to keep moving forward to be able to see it. You can't stay back and see it from there. Why did you stop? Keep going forward. Keep working on your marriage. Don't settle for mediocre. Lead out. Push for more. Keep growing. Champion your role at your job. Don't stop and whine and give up. Own that ministry. Keep walking in sanctification. Pursue holiness. Keep sacrificing. Keep growing. Keep giving. Keep going. I'm doing something here. But if you stop where you're at, you're going to miss it. I'm up here. And if you miss it, whose fault is that? Imagine the scene. Imagine imagine what is going on here. Like cattle, they're hemmed in right here. Finding themselves standing closer and closer together. The front group is, is running out of room to walk as they near the beach of the Red Sea. Behind them, the Egyptians have spread out to hem them all in. There's no escape. And God is about to do something that will be talked about for the rest of history, but they got to keep going forward. I wonder the stories that God has in store for you if you keep going forward, if you keep growing, if you keep walking. There they are, hemmed in by the Red Sea, and Moses stands up and delivers one of the best leadership Speech is ever. It is so short. It is so beautiful. Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. What a fantastic short speech. Stand firm don't go back. Don't you dare stop. God will work for you today. Those Egyptians that are smirking at you right now, get one last look at them because this will be the last time you will see them. The Lord will fight for you. You just got to shut up and keep going. Dang, I love this guy. Moses doesn't even know what's going to happen. He has no clue, but he stands up and he says, say goodbye to them and shut up and keep moving forward. And what a thought for us today. I don't know if you signed on today with your past nipping at your heels, but can I just say those faces that come to your mind, the the past of yours, say goodbye. The Lord fights for you. You need only to be silent. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. But you will miss it if you stop. Then the angel of the Lord, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. Despite Israel's hesitation, despite their second thoughts, despite their complaining, they kept moving forward, and now it's going down. Now the smoke that was before them moves behind them, keeping the Egyptians at bay. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided." And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. They are now at the complete mercy of the God they were just complaining to as they walk this corridor of water. It is a sound unlike anything you will ever hear. Gusts of wind, the sheer power of the sea separating, the gasps of a nation, the sound of dry sand crunching under their feet. The shadows of sea creatures darting along the sea wall. The Curious kids walking up to the wall and running their fingers along the wall of water. The kind of scene that just can't be retold well. You have to experience it. You have to see it. You have to feel it. Verse 23. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. And now God is going to do what he had planned all along. He was baiting Egypt out, and now he's going to bring Egypt to their knees, literally in mud. The dry ground that Israel walked on became muddy after them. The wheels of the chariots got stuck. The clouds confused the army. Officers are shouting out their commands, but men are falling out of rank. The chariots are stuck. Men are stuck. Egypt's best is now standing on the sea floor. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all of the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. It had been the plan all along. God knew the past pursues, so I'm going to bring them out. And all the Israelites had to do was keep moving. Just keep moving. Keep going. And as dawn breaks, casting a light over the sea, Israel now looks at a defeated army floating along the shores of the Red Sea. They did nothing. And they lived happily ever after and never doubted God again until the next chapter. Oh, they might be out of the swamp, but just like us, they are not out of the woods. And as the waters of the Red Sea clap back together and settle, so much lies before them now. So much lies ahead. So many memories of God, with God, wait for them ahead. But first... God wanted to deal with the past that was nipping at Israel's heel. And I love how God does it. There's a few themes playing out in this text, themes that we will discover and unpack even more as as we continue in this book. But here, I got to point this one theme out. One of the ways to deal with your past, one of the ways to get past your past is this right here it's simple obedience. Simple obedience. Look at this. God doesn't call Israel to do anything crazy, He's going to ask them to do anything difficult. He doesn't say, hey, grab your tools and fashion weapons with your tools. Go fight Egypt's army. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, jump into the Red Sea. I will give you energy to swim across the sea. No, none of that happened. Instead, God is communicating, hey, I'm going to deal with your past. I'm going to deal with it. You can't. I'm going to deal with it. Just know who you are and whose you are. I'm just asking you to simply obey and keep going forward. Keep walking. Keep moving forward. I will separate the waters, I will dry the ground, I will block the Egyptians, and I will swallow up the Egyptians. You just keep moving forward. And that is a powerful lesson when it comes to the baggage that you have from your past. God says, just simply obey. Take the next step. I know, I know your marriage isn't where you want it, and you got baggage from your old marriage. I know you'd rather stop. but Simple obedience. Love your spouse, serve your spouse. I'm not asking you to fix them. I'm not asking you to swim an ocean. Just asking you to love your spouse. I'm asking you to serve your spouse. Just one act at a time. I know you got some serious regrets. I know you got some bad relationships, some former pregnancies that ended, broken hearts, blown up families, things that you've said that you can't take back. I know. But here on out, simple obedience. We start right here. You just keep on taking that next step. I'm not asking you to fix everything in your past because you can't. I'm not asking you to undo everything because it's just not possible. I'm asking for simple obedience. You just get closer to me. You do the right thing today and you do the right thing tomorrow and you take the next step and I will take care of what I need to take care of. You just keep going forward and you leave your past to me. See, if you actually do that, if you can actually do that, oh, that is so frustrating. It's often monotonous. I'm gonna get up today and I'm gonna be pure again today. I'm gonna go into the office again, I'm gonna be honest again in the office, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut again today, I'm gonna go worship with my church family again today, I'm gonna sacrifice again today, I'm gonna give again today, I'm gonna go serve again today. It's simple act of obedience after simple act of obedience after simple act of obedience that brings us closer and closer to what God has for us and further and further away from the grip of the enemy. It's simple obedience, it's one step at a time the most frustrating act of a Christian, yet it is one that defines us as a people. Our marriages are built on simple acts of obedience. Our careers are built on simple acts of obedience. Our friendships are built on simple acts of obedience. Our community, our church, is built on simple acts of obedience. It's built on thousands and thousands of acts of simple obedience, and we trust that God will do something with that. We just gotta take that next step and leave the rest To our Father. Question I want to leave you with today. We always ask, so what? When we come out of the text, God always speaks through his word. And the question is always, okay, what what does this mean for me then? What, what What is God asking from me this week after coming out of God's word? Here's the question that I want to leave you with and then we'll call it. What does simple obedience look like for you this week? Think about for you this week. Whether you're going to be around friends whether you're going to work, whether you got family coming over, what does simple obedience look like for you this week? What's that next step? It might look like getting back into God's Word. You've just stopped. You've stopped growing closer to God. And you've, you've stayed there, wondering why God isn't showing up and God is saying, I'm up here. You've got to keep going forward. got to keep moving. It might mean getting back into God's Word. It might mean a confession It might mean coming clean to somebody. It might mean getting back into church. What does simple obedience look like for you this week? I pray you take that next step. God wants to meet you there. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you give it a share? It goes a long way. Also, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet. Hey, God has something for you today. Go after it. Blessings.